Hey guys, this is Coach Pyrrhe. Coach Teresa. Welcome to another episode of the Wellness and High Performance Podcast. Well, that was the first time when you were actually in the in the intro. Yeah, you let me introduce myself today. Mm. Thank you. She's still just uh, she's she's, a, she's still a with the status of special guest. Okay. So no, no, you're not, not a co-host a yet. No, you're not a co-host yet. <laughs> okay. You're a, you're a prospective. Um, Okay. Let's not go get ahead of ourselves here. Uh-huh. Just a special guest so far. So I won't get too comfortable on the no, couch yet. Don't get too comfortable even though it is your own couch. But anyways, in today's <laughs> episode, we are going to talk about running. And we're going to talk about my running in particular. Yes. Because, you know, yeah. Last You've been l- doing a lot of running. I've been doing a lot more running than what I've been doing over the last couple of years. Over your whole life. Over 10 years. I did a lot of running when I was younger. Okay. I've got to be honest with you. Tell me about that real quick. Well, I played soccer at a pretty high level, like from, you know, I started like very young, like five, age five. And then about like from, I think when I was eight or so, I got to a very, very competitive team. And then we ended up like absolutely dominating in our age group in Finland. And actually we were also playing on the highest level of the age group above us in Finland during the last couple of years before I, mm. before I finished up. And that would have been, I finished up, I think, when I was 14, around then. So that mm-hmm. was pretty good. Yeah. 10 years of, like, running. I used to play the, the right wing. So those who play soccer, they know that the, the wing wings usually, like, they run a lot. Mm. And I just used to run up and down, like, like crazy. I used to always be the one who were chosen to represent our school, in particular in any kind of like a distance event. I would go there. Yeah. My dad told us yeah, that. Um, that's I a actually, great story. Yeah. So <laughs> I actually won the Helsinki City Mini Marathon. And yeah. we were like, I, I can't remember how old I would have been. What did he say? He was uh, probably like, like eight, nine, or ten, somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, like pretty young. Yeah. And we can't remember exactly how long the distance was, but it probably was like three kilometers yeah, or something. Yeah, somewhere around that. Which is that's decent for yeah. someone of that age, like yeah. mid primary school, let's say around there. Yeah, and without with like no running practice at all, um, just just basically purely because of the soccer yeah i mean we got the idea then well let's yeah let's chuck me in there yeah and, and let's see how we go yeah and i remember like just the because i don't actually remember i remember some of it yeah but i do remember that like just like running into the into the stadium because you finish the run and in the olympic stadium of helsinki and you know you get into the stadium and i can literally remember like my dad's face when he saw that like <laughs> i was actually like i think it was the second the second when, boy when to we come when we ran into child. the stadium and then you still had to do like half a loop until you're on the on the last little stretch to the finish line yeah. and my dad just sprinted right next to us and he would just yell go past go past Yay! keep going keep going and then Aww. I did, and then I won the thing. Such a beautiful story. It was good. It was yeah. uh, it was good um, memory and good experience. Yeah, so nice. So the bottom line is that like I've done a lot of running in my previous life, and then also in the military in Finland we have a comp- compulsory military service. 
So I did that for one year when I was 19. Mm. And they make you run a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. With probably full gear and With whatnot. Full, yeah, like a lot. But then also like just, just for the sake of conditioning. running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like yeah. conditioning both for the for the physical body but then also conditioning for the mind yeah like why do we have to run like we have time well we're just gonna we just run like that's that's what we do <laughs> let's, you let's know? make you feel a bit of pain yeah um <laughs> but that's that's a part of that that experience yeah but ever since pretty much then since mm-hmm. about 20 years old like there was a good almost 10 years almost 10 years i'm like i'm 29 now still in my enjoying my in my 20s yeah (laughs) (laughs) unlike some other people yeah yeah. okay anyway (laughs) um so not a lot of running just a whole heap of you know strength training and putting on like quite a bit more muscle mass yes you've done some sprinting though yeah that's right then a couple years ago when um, the the co- when COVID came and you know gyms locked down and in particular when I started really getting deeper into Dr. Pat Davidson stuff because uh, he's really he's really heavy on like athletic development and mm-hmm. and athletics and sprint training and throwing and all, all kinds of these athletic types of movements not just strength training yeah and I've done very consecutively very consistently once a week of sprint training for the mm-hmm. last couple of years and then for the last about six months i added even more of these like low level plyometric drills on on a second day mm-hmm. so that would that just means like you know jumping we call these pogo jumps where you're just basically jumping on your ankles and just conditioning almost like if you think about what does a skipping rope skipping look like mm-hmm that kind of stuff to really condition the the lower legs yeah yeah so that's good you've had some exposure I've had some exposure to to running but then it was about yeah six six weeks ago now yeah. was it even that long ago uh, five weeks ago or something yeah was it just after we got engaged yeah somewhere I think so. there yeah, yeah. Somewhere there. Then, because yeah. um, I've had this idea in my head, like I'm gonna <laughs> run the Melbourne Marathon. Then I listened to this audio book by Cameron Haynes, who's a very high-level bow hunter and also runs marathons and ultra marathons. His book is called Endure, and it really made you made me like wanna wanna try this stuff for my own. You know, like this, like David Goggins and Cameron Haynes and those guys. They always talk about like the importance of. Or like they talk about how when on these long distance runs in particular, you really get to work on the part of the brain that really like, you know, when you, your brain is telling you that you're done, but you're like, no, I'm not done yet. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to ex- explore that a little bit for myself. Yeah. So that kind of was the catalyst. And then you're like, oh shit, like Melbourne Marathon is in f- six weeks. It was back then. Yes like that's a short prep like kids don't do this at home like if Absolutely you want to run a marathon um it's recommended to do at least like minimum like four months to six months of mm. preparation yeah leading up to that i've known some people who spend a year yeah preparing absolutely absolutely but the only reason why i'm even imagining in my head that i yeah. could do it it was because of this background in mm. in 
in running and it's not just like I've never run at all yeah I'm gonna do a marathon in six weeks mm -hmm. well probably not the best idea mm -hmm. you're like you're probably gonna mm -hmm. run into some problems there well I was I must say the day after you decided this we went for a 10k run mm. well you ran and I was on my bike pacing you yeah. <laughs> in Finland and off the cuff you just did 10k um, which was very impressive, especially because in my mind, I was thinking, okay, the road doesn't really have much hill <laughs> ascent and descent until you start running or get on your bike. That's yeah. very different. It's but, different from yeah. just driving yeah. on the road. It's a, it's a Finnish countryside road. It's like, yeah, yeah that's, it's a pretty flat like area. It should be a nice <laughs> run. And then when you actually get there, like, holy shit, yeah. you're going up and down all the time. <laughs> yeah. And that's, but yeah, you know, you you just polish that off. Yeah. Yeah. So from that moment, I was like, okay, no, no worries. It's obviously not going to be easy. It's not just going to happen. But, yeah. You know, you've got this compared to the average Joe Blow. Yeah. He's just, you know, getting into running. <laughs> That's right. So at that time when I decided that, okay, now it's it's going to be six weeks prep and I need to need to run this marathon 42.2 kilometers, like what are the things that need to happen so that mm. I can do that? And there were like four main things that really came into mind that need to come home for me to be able to achieve that. And, you know, the number one is that I need to improve my lower leg conditioning and resiliency. And that's been something that I've been really um, struggling with. Yeah. Especially because of like the, I think like just being a little bit bigger, yes. having a little bit more mass, yes. like that does put a lot of stress because yeah. there's so many foot contacts that that's happen right. when you go for those longer bigger runs. Yeah. 20,000 20, steps. Yeah. Yeah. And in the beginning, because I should also say that I mean only wearing these barefoot shoes which have you know minimalist shoes they have minimal cushioning i've been only wearing them for exclusively like for the last three years i would say yeah four three four or years yeah, yeah. and during all the sprinting that i've done it's only been in vibrams which are like extremely minimalist shoes yeah so i thought that i might actually be able to do this in minimalist shoes yeah and i did three weeks of yeah. prep with those minimalist shoes and I had mm -hmm. some longer runs there but then it was yeah. that 20, 20 kilometer K. run yeah when I did 20k yes. it just cooked, cooked me yeah, yeah. So like as soon as like that run was over I could just feel like my my left foot slash ankle just got really pissy yeah my shin started aching and it was just like the body was like oh shit look so basically that whole fourth week of my prep I had to take off from running completely mm -hmm. and I Instead, how did I troubleshoot that? Well, actually, first of all, started looking for alternative shoes, mm, and I found some I found ones. I found some really good ones. So I found this brand called Ultra. They're called Ultra Taurine Six is the name of the actual shoe, and they've basically taken all the good things about minimalist shoes, which is the a wide toe box so that allows your toes to really spread inside the shoe and allows your foot to change its shape naturally as opposed to having a really narrow shoe which kind of clumps your foot together like this and mm. now your foot can't actually change its shape mm. in the way that it's designed by nature yeah. to do so we've got the white toe box and then we also have a zero drop 
meaning that there is no difference on the elevation of the heel and the toes mm. whereas a lot of quote-unquote modern traditional running shoes they have a heel elevation yeah and you know that's usually because a lot of people who run they are heel strikers so they strike the ground in front of the body with their heel so by adding this extra cushioning here in the front it hypothetically can actually can reduce some of the impact forces that are going through the body which actually now that there's I've actually looked up some research into that and it actually seems that even if you're wearing these very very cushioned shoes if you are heel striking the ground in front of your body like that's actually increasing the amount of ground contact forces compared to if you're running with uh, like that same shoe but now you're striking the ground underneath your body Mm. like a more efficient way of of hitting the ground with each and every step yeah so but back to the shoe that I got they have white toe box a zero drop and it has a cushioning so it's just been the whole thing's just been elevated Mm -hmm. so it's much more comfortable to 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 run on and the reason why actually this sorry I lost my train of thought because if you have a zero drop shoe it's much easier to actually strike the ground with your midfoot slash forefoot directly underneath the center of mass but if you naturally have that kind of a stride which is what I do yeah if I wear a heel, that's mm. actually going to disrupt my stride. Okay. So it's really important for me to be able to run the way in which I, I run, which is to strike the ground with my forefoot. I need a shoe that doesn't have an elevation in the heel because mm. it would make things worse, I imagine. Just kind of get in the way of those good biomechanics, Yeah. would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. 100%. Right. And yeah and then the that was that was the first thing that I did to troubleshoot and then the other thing was like I just did more conditioning like that one day I went and did instead of going for a run I went and did uh, a bike yeah. at, at the gym that was just like in my mind it's like the most boring thing ever when you just <laughs> stuck on the spot yeah yeah. Not a big fan of that not myself bit, not either. A big, <laughs> not a big fan. But yeah, now the ongoing, like the, the foot and the shin thing has been like an ongoing thing. It's been yeah. um, pretty challenging. I've been pretty cooked up for those, some of those longer runs. You've taken really good care of me. Yes. Thank you so much. A lot of food in the tank. <laughs> a lot of food, food in, in the, the fridge. Tank. Right now we're at the at the taper, so I've done all the longer runs. Now it's just going to be these shorter runs until not this next Sunday, but this Sunday after that we're on Wednesday right now mm-hmm. so we've got one and a half weeks to go of tapering and letting the system to recover mm-hmm. so that hopefully the ankles and the feet are feeling pretty good um, for the on, big the, day. on the big day yeah, yeah. So, so that's the first thing that's really important in my mind it was like the you know the lower leg conditioning mm-hmm. the second thing is of course your aerobic fitness mm. and that's something that again like a couple years ago becoming more um, understanding a bit more about like the breathing the cardiorespiratory system and all the different energy systems of the body yeah. and like how important that is yes for health and longevity Mm -hmm. but then also for anyone who just wants to improve their body composition Mm. 
because when you have a better developed aerobic and cardiorespiratory system, even if you just want to strength train, if you don't care about your way you look, but if you just want to get stronger, if you have a better developed cardiorespiratory system, you can tolerate more stress in terms of training volume. So you can train more and you're going to be able to recover quicker between the sets in the gym and also between your training sessions in the mm. gym. Yes. And just your overall resilience as an organism is much higher when your cardiovascular fitness is high. So that's been something that I've always kept kept in there. Yeah. And you know, for me like that hasn't been as big of a thing to improve than I feel like is the the lower leg conditioning thing. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, the fitness has certainly improved during the yeah. last couple of weeks of running 3 days a week. Yes. Do you ever feel like there's been, you know, times during your run where you don't feel conditioned enough? Um, that's a really good question. Um, no, not really. I mean, I've been like at that very, like getting to the level, getting, getting to, to the, the edge. Because yeah. for a, um, that's a really good question. So I'll usually like try to breathe through my nose as much as possible mm -hmm. throughout the run because that's when I know for sure that I'm. I'm staying within the confines of my aerobic energy system for most of the time. Yeah. And then if I can't breathe through my nose anymore, like if my heart rate elevates past, like for me, it's about like 165 or one, around there, that's my aerobic threshold. Now the exercise intensity becomes so high that my body has to produce energy anaerobically mm. which is way more fatiguing yeah. so I do notice that when I've been running around the tan and yeah. I go through the Anderson <laughs> Street uphill yes. like that's when I really get into like the anaerobic zone and yeah. I, I'm not able to just maintain my nasal breathing only yeah. but then I'll try to bring it back to nasal breathing and, and the conditioning side has been mm. pretty good throughout the whole thing yeah well some of the things that i've learned from like my study is that someone f like you for example who do does have a lot of muscle mass when you start getting to that you know more <laughs> those higher exertion like parts of your run yeah. a big thing comes of like can you actually expel yeah enough like carbon dioxide that's um, exactly right which i i imagine that's another part of having to to exhale through your lips exhale yeah. through your mouth that's a really interesting thing like yeah. where um on why would nasal breathing only be beneficial yeah because you need to essentially what it comes down to is that you need to match your breathing with the actual metabolic demands of the body okay right now i'm sitting down my muscles aren't working very hard Mm. So there's not much metabolic demand. Mm -hmm. So I should be pretty easily be able to breathe through my nose here with because mm. my muscles when muscles produce energy, they produce energy and as a byproduct they produce carbon dioxide. When your muscles produce energy aerobically with the presence of oxygen, mm -hmm. there is a little bit of carbon dioxide that's as a byproduct comes as a byproduct. Mm. But when your muscles produce energy anaerobically, mm -hmm. meaning that when you're working very at high intensity, mm -hmm. now your muscles produce a lot of carbon dioxide as a byproduct. Mm. Actually so much that now you need to be able to expel enough of mm. it out of the system or else your body will shut down. True. So if I'm 
my muscles aren't working very hard but I'm I'm still breathing heavier than what I need to and I'm exhaling too much carbon dioxide now that is unnecessarily increasing the stress levels on my system mm. and excessive loss of carbon dioxide actually leads to my ve- uh, blood vessels constricting yeah. and the reduction of oxygen delivery into my cells and into mm. my brain and into my muscles. That doesn't sound good. No. It doesn't sound like you can function very well. No, it's a really, really bad idea. That's why like mouth breathing mm. at rest, if, yeah. you're, if you're not actually doing anything with your body, yeah. it will limit your physical and mental performance instantly because it will reduce the amount of oxygen that goes into mm. your brain and, and to your muscles. But <laughs> when you're on your fourth or fifth lap around the 10, running up Anderson Street or yeah. whatever, if you're on a long run, when you're working really hard and your muscles are producing a lot of carbon dioxide, yeah. now I actually have to very intentionally exhale enough of that stuff because mm. otherwise my system's going to shut down. Yeah. I still try to breathe in through the nose and out through the mm. mouth even when I'm at that very high level of, of exertion. Just yeah. because if when you inhale through the nose, the nose also it cools, it purifies the air. Mm. So it feels much nicer on the lungs yes. as opposed to if you're just breathing in through the mouth mm-hmm. and also let the nose purifies the air as well yeah so you don't just have to like breathing in you know whatever stuff is floating yeah. around in the air that... especially now it's spring yeah. yeah i think it's been such a game changer for me i have been doing a little bit of running myself as well yes you have been motivated to get back in there yeah um and yeah i did actually quite a lot of running during my uni days mm. and um yeah you know like as soon as the weather was a little bit cooler or uh you know spring was coming um i i had no idea about breathing back then so knowing me it would have been 100 percent mouth breathing yes and i did suffer from um exercise induced asthma as well and so changing to nasal breathing has just made the whole process and enjoyment of running so much better Um, and as well like I feel like it's not my being out of breath that's the thing that's holding me back from Mm. actually like continuing to run and um, like improve my time and stuff like that yeah yeah but it's like great yeah but it's still obviously like (laughs) yeah a work in progress yeah it's not easy for me yeah breathing is important but it's also important to understand that breathing is just one aspect of the your cardiorespiratory system like what it'll come down to is like your your stroke volume like how much blood can your heart actually pump into the into the system like how densely are your capillaries going in through your 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 body like how many mitochondria how healthy are your mitochondria like all these things comes into play and breathing is just one part of this whole system that's quite incredibly intricate system that's ongoing it's it's like it's not only when you exercise but at all points in time from the moment that you were born took your first (laughs) breath on the on the planet until the moment of your last breath it's your cardiorespiratory system that's the engine mm. that's keeping keep wheels wheels turning and making sure that you can you can um, sustain your sustain life, life and, yeah. and live and and not die. That's so it. that's the importance of yeah. cardiovascular fitness, really. Like it's important for that's for everyone. It. it seems 
so airy fairy when I know sometimes you talk to your clients about like your breath and everything like that but if you really think about it and dumb it down like without your breath like you know we can't live no we can't <laughs> usually yeah it's usually it's not airy fairy as soon as you you just experience it and you yeah. feel the difference of like when you're breathing correctly mm-hmm. to match the demands of the activity that you're doing you're like oh 100%. holy shit like this is actually something to this that I can actually practice and develop 100% the third thing that has had to develop in my journey towards running a marathon is of course my running technique Mm. which I kind of alluded to there when I was speaking about the the lower limb conditioning Mm -hmm. you know I've been working on the on the sprint mechanics for for a couple years now and it has definitely had some kind of a transfer because it hasn't been like starting from scratch mm-hmm. but still there's been some nuance into like how to, how to run bit difference between running really really fast mm-hmm. and then how do you actually run for a really really long time especially if you have a little bit more mass on your body like that technique and the running mechanics yeah. it needs to be on point yeah and i think a lot of people don't realize that running technique like it has a first of all it has a component to like your structure and what is the shape of your body and what is the shape of your rib cage and your pelvis and can your femurs actually swing freely like can the the femur actually you know rotate and move freely in the acetabulum can your legs and your arms actually move freely through space Mm -hmm. if they can't well then you don't even have the opportunity to learn how to run because you you can't you can't run properly like if you don't have Mm -hmm. access to the right positions Mm -hmm. then it's not a question of how do you learn how to run it first becomes a question of how do you unlock those movement restrictions Mm. so if that is the case like if you don't have available movement options for you then the number one priority must be to open them up and you know the best way to do that and the way in which we do it in our coaching model is with these core and breathing drills you know this core exercises where we put your body in the specific positions depending on what we're looking at and getting you to breathe in the in the correct way and this is by far the most accurate way that we've found to actually address some of these movement limitations yeah like a lot of people are kind of where how i've evolved as well like first it was just like okay so a muscle is tight Mm. so what's the solution well let's go and stretch that muscle yes and you know if it was the hamstring for example like hamstrings are tight so how do we fix that we stretch the hamstrings or your hip flexors are tight Mm -hmm. how do we fix that well we stretch the hip flexors yes yeah and then after that it was kind of like well yes but why did the muscles get tight in the first place yeah and then it was a lot of like oh it's because they're weak mm. you know or the antagonist and muscle yeah, group is weak exactly right so that so that muscle is having to seize up or, yeah yeah that's exactly right like i've your your tight you have tight hip flexors in the front because your glutes are weak in the back yeah you know your or, or your um your hamstrings are 
always so wound up because your your quads are you know weak, weak. or weak or whatever yeah yeah so that was the kind of the second evolution after just looking at the the muscles then it yeah. was like or like something is tight then it was like is something strong mm. and there was like these even strength ratios between the size of the body right. but now kind of where where the mind is going now is like well actually like muscles are actually slaves to bones you know mm. muscles are attached to bones mm-hmm. muscles are slaves to your skeleton yes right so muscles are always doing whatever they're supposed to do which is dictated by the position of the skeleton mm. and if you're not happy with what the muscle is doing i.e. if the hamstrings are super tight mm. the what you should look at is like okay what is actually happening with the position the the segments of the body that the hamstrings are attached to which is you know the pelvis yeah right and it's like the positioning of the the rib cage and the and the pelvis and the rest of the the axial skeleton is going to determine how well and how freely you're able to move the segments of your appendicular skeleton which is your arms and your legs so the bottom line is like if you if you have movement restrictions in your shoulders or in your arms or in your legs more often than not when where you need to look first is not at the shoulder or at the arm but instead at the shape of the rib cage and at the shape of the the pelvis pelvis, and then try to address that with this specific targeted core drills where we do some kind of specific breathing patterns for that core drill yeah so now that you've got that you know now that you've opened up the the playbook so to speak from Mm -hmm. movement potential now you can actually learn how to run Mm. yeah and there's a lot of debate whether or not you should land on your your forefoot or whether or not you should land on your heel like a lot of people will say that that some of the best ultra runners ever are heel strikers which you know it may be true Mm. but the thing that you want to pay attention to is where do you strike the ground that's a really really important thing are you overstriding and striking the ground in front of your body? Because if you are, then you're introducing a breaking force with each step. You're also increasing the amount of time that you spend on the ground with each step. So you're slowing yourself down. And when you spend more time on the ground, you don't get as much elastic return from the tendons of your body. And instead, more stress goes to connective tissues and muscles where it shouldn't go Mm. you know it should be like ideally it's a very springy thing with your when you run and you get a lot of springiness from your achilles tendon yeah but when you spend a lot of time on the ground now you don't get that spring Mm. so it's less economic yeah yeah you're kind of slowing yourself down and then trying to speed yourself up all in the same exactly right (laughs) and you're and you, so you're using more muscle you, and you're putting the stress into the wrong parts of the skeleton yeah essentially mm-hmm. yeah so that's something that i've had to work with as well is like really trying to shorten my stride a little bit really get a little bit more frequent um grout contacts mm. and that's been something that's um really helpful and i do feel like the running technique has improved during the the last month and a bit so it's okay. still a work in progress and a it yeah. will always be amazing yeah <laughs> now the final thing 
that has really like that the, basically the whole reason why I wanted to do this in the first place is that the mental faculties of being able to run for a for a long distance you know oh, it's and a, has it changed it has changed I think um like I'm looking forward to the actual thing because I think that I've, I'll get to some like you know a little bit of discomfort there from yeah. from that perspective but even on the the longest run that I did now it's the 25 kilometer run mm. and on that it was like um i find that if you sort of get like claustrophobic or i mean like if you start thinking about like how much more you have to go mm. or like how uncomfortable it is right now yeah. you can get a little bit claustrophobic okay yes and a little bit uncomfortable yeah but then the kind of the only way to get out of that at least for me i found is to like become really present Mm. like really just focus on the breathing focus on the steps try to really like quiet the mind and just like focus on the take this panoramic view and just like look at the colors in the individual field yeah not focus on any one point yeah. and through that i usually get into this like bit of flow states where mm. like time just goes on and like you're just in your dis- rhythm yeah yeah. Distance just goes on. Yeah. And you're not really thinking about it that much. Yeah. You can really just like settle into, settle into the feeling. Just take it all in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I haven't really had to like you know channel David Goggins that much yet. Um, <laughs> but I, I probably will. And on the day. On the day. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask how you're feeling about the day? Yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> how am I feeling about the day? I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I'm pretty pretty excited about it actually. Yeah. I think it's gonna be nice. Like have a bit more adrenaline in the system. Like mm. have some other people running as yeah, well. Yeah, that'll be great. Just being amongst it, I think. Yeah. Like everyone's there to do their best. You know, it's just it's you against you. Maybe there's a little bit of competition. You'll find somebody to pace behind or. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think the good thing that perspective is my my goal time is under four hours it's it's public now and under four hours <laughs> it, which is not a it's not a world record by by any stretch yeah. but i think it's uh i think for someone who's done a six-week prep that's pretty damn good yeah and it's the first one and i'll, yeah. I'll try to beat that later on yeah but, amazing yeah but it's it's a very popular time goal yes so i feel like there's going to be some pacing yeah um nice you'll feel to, like to hit that time and there's going to be some other people community going vibes. for the same both yeah yeah that'll be nice um can you tell us a little bit more about where the track is like where's the run going to take place and so it's here finish? in melbourne so obviously if you're familiar with melbourne then you'll know um it'll be from mcg to flinders street federation square Cool. Then it'll go Albert Park and it'll kind of loop through to um, like the Beaconsfield Parade along the water. Okay. It'll go towards Port Melbourne and it'll loop around towards St. Kilda and past St. Kilda. Great. And then it'll loop around again back towards the city and then finish at the MCG. Amazing. Yeah. So great. That should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to see Melbourne from all different angles. That's right. And I'm looking forward to like, because I've been, one of the things also that I've been doing for the sake of the ankles and the the shins is that I haven't been running on concrete. So I've only been running on 
um, when you run around the botanical gardens, it's called the tan, the yeah. running track. It's, like gravel, it's mostly gravel, a little bit of concrete, but yeah. mostly gravel. Mm -hmm. So that's been really nice. Yeah. But it's a 3.8 kilometer loop. So you're just doing the, the same thing again and again. Mm -hmm. And there's a pretty good uphill that's about 400 meters. Oh, yeah. The uphill that I've been speaking about, the Anderson Street uphill. Yes. So on all these runs, I've been running the, the thing into that direction where you're actually hitting that uphill every time mm -hmm. and I've looked at the race course and there's like like there's a bit of an uphill at kilometer 35 okay which is also around when you're coming around the tan but it's not that same uphill it's okay. nowhere near as big all right so it's actually a pretty fast course okay um, with like it's quite flat and it, I think a lot of people go into this run like to break their PVs cool and stuff so yeah. maybe the four-hour thing isn't such maybe. a far stretch we'll see we'll yeah. see how we go that's right um, I do remember when we were in Finland your dad said he'd done two marathons He's done before. three three that's right three? yeah actually yeah three, three. Yeah. Um, do you remember what his time was um, I just remember him saying for the first time he just tried to finish it and he did like three forty or something. Yeah. Uh, and then and then the se and then second time was about the same, and then the third time he tried to. What an idiot! He tried to beat three hours. Yeah, without training. Or I don't know. What an without idiot! Any preparation. What an idiot! He he just said, "I'm gonna." I I, tr I don't know if he didn't any prep. I didn't ask like, "What? How did you actually train?" But yeah. he said that I tried to break three hours and I wow. stayed with the pace for the first 10 kilometers and then I died. And then in basically the last 30 kilometers he was dead and he finished at the same time his, as with, previous with, time. <laughs> with the previous time. So that would have been absolutely terrible. But he finished. He finished. Yeah, good yeah. for him. Yeah. So, hey, we'll see. We'll see how, yeah, how you go. Yeah. Maybe a part of you will get to three three hours 30 and feel like you've got to push your dad's time limit <laughs> well yeah you kind of have to have to decide a little bit earlier on maybe we'll see how we go i think like get to 35 yeah or like 30 and then see how see how i feel see how and then go. i'll probably sell the house at that point and, yeah. and but until then i'll stick yeah. with the the pace for four hours i think so and yeah after that depending on how i feel i'll either sell the house or just try to crawl home that's and, right yeah i think a sub four hours is very impressive from my perspective anyway well just getting it done yeah really. but it's putting <laughs> things into perspective like that guy the uh, kenyan guy uh, Elliot Kipchoge. Oh yeah. I don't know Impressive. if he's actually Kenyan nowadays. Pretty sure he, he's definitely from Kenya originally. Don't know yes. what country he represents nowadays. Correct, yeah. But breaking two hours, like that's absolutely insane. Yeah. Really, like he's he's basically <laughs> he's full sprinting for forty-two kilometers consecutively it's, straight. It's inspiring. It's insane. And he's just he's just gliding. It's insane. In the last like. Was it the last kilometer that? Yeah, we if you if you look at the, it's a, like you can watch a clip like of the last legs of that run that they did. Yeah, like it's just insane. Like so, a lot of people would say, well, that's artificial. Like they they had he had specific paces, oh. and it wasn't actually a race. It was purely like the intention to was to break, break the, the record. record. Okay, but still, still, like, hey. It's I don't see anybody else running a sub two hour. <laughs> it's unbelievable. 
marathon like give him some credit yeah <laughs> highly recommend watching that and yeah yeah and you can actually see other people have then made videos of like okay this is me running at Elliot Kipchoge's marathon pace and they're actually like full sprinting really yeah and like oh my god like they they can't sustain it for like very long like very long time at all meters. but this guy crazy. is doing it for 42 kilometers straight so that's that's, insane. that's just unbelievable hats off to yes. Elliot Kipchoge wow inspiring Fantastic. yeah so that's been my prep with my yeah. marathon so far there were four mm. main aspects to it was the yeah. lower leg lower limb conditioning yes aerobic fitness running technique and then mental faculties that yes. we haven't tested fully yet we'll, correct well i haven't had to go savage mode and david goggins talk too much mm -hmm. but i probably will yeah on the day I think it's been really inspiring to watch watch you each week and you know I know there's been some times in there that have been uncomfortable yeah, from like a recovery perspective yeah. um so yeah it's it's been inspiring for me to to see you just a hundred percent commit to this and yeah I'm very excited to see how you go next Sunday I said I was gonna do it so yeah that's it the Finnish man if he says something he's gonna do it I will do it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Other than that, if you have any questions, if you have anything that you would like to learn more about regarding health and fitness, mm -hmm. me and the, um, what is it, prospective co-host, oh. currently still <laughs> a guest, Coach <laughs> Teresa would love to answer your questions. So be sure to send them at hello at coachbutter.com or you can send us a message on instagram i'm coach butter coach Teresa west coach Teresa west if you enjoyed this episode and you know someone else who would also enjoy it it would help us out a lot if you shared this episode with at least one other person if you really want to show your support to the podcast we would appreciate it a lot if you left us a late rating and a review on the platform that you're consuming this content from other than that I hope that you have an absolutely fantastic rest of the day. This is Coach Butter. Coach Teresa. I'll see you in the next episode. Let's do this. <laughs>